Steelers Nation descends into full panic mode as their beaten but stoical team plucks a page from none other than Bill Belichick. Welcome to the Steelers Update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Steelers so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. Well, this one hurts. And how? So much so, perhaps Steelers Nation should be known as Prozac Nation, given its collective mood swings from booking Super Bowl plans to going on suicide watch, all in the span of a single three-hour football game to begin the season. Such is the fragile Pittsburgh psyche in wake of the 33-3 disaster in New England. It has all of Steeler Nation in a state of all-out panic. A quick note to the overly sensitive folks out there, all this is said in exaggerated jest. I feel fully realized mental illness is a very serious issue, and I am not making light of it. Just the wild moose swings of Steelers fans based on a football game. So please save yourself a nasty comment or email, and thank you very much. All kidding aside, there is no question about it. Pittsburgh's mental psyche does rise and fall with the fortunes of their favorite football team. And the depression couldn't get any deeper than the social media and sports talk reaction in wake of the whipping by the Patriots. So let's get right to it. All the moaning and groaning of panicking Pittsburgh fans, along with some very reasonable rationale for why the Pittsburgh sky really isn't falling, at least not yet. Coach Tomlin tersely admitted the Steelers did lay an egg. But he wasn't waving a white flag on the entire season. Rather, he's using what he called the un-Steeler-like tape of the game to raise the bar for every player's performance. Said Tomlin at his weekly news conference, quote, We're all 0-1 and we better be scalded by that. There will be no division in this group. That's how we are wired. This is what we put out there, unquote. That means the answers lie with the Steelers themselves and within their locker room. A much-needed win versus the Seattle Seahawks begins with addressing the Steelers' shortcomings, not with anything Seattle will bring into Heinz Field on Sunday. Said Tomlin, quote, We're focused on us as we prepare for those guys. With respect to them, we are focused on us and the things we need to play winning football, unquote. In other words, the Steelers are hunkering down and moving on to Seattle, plucking that page from Bill Belichick, who once famously quoted after a humiliating loss on to Cincinnati. It's basically the only thing the Steelers can do. And it's a good thing they are doing it because outside their football facility, a storm is swirling. Pittsburgh is in full panic mode and chief among the Steelers concerns is who will catch the football on a receiving core that suddenly seems to have the drops and no 
Antonio Brown as much maligned as he has been. And now there are very, very serious sexual assault allegations that transcend football altogether. And we're not even going to get into that because as Tomlin rightly said, the focus has to be on the Steelers themselves and what is in that locker room and having each player rise to that awful tape out of New England and play better. Now, you know, during that offseason when we were replacing Brown and supposedly not missing a beat, there was a supposedly savvy Steelers signing of Dante Moncrief. It ain't looking so hot right about now. Mark Abloy with The Athletic tweets, quote, Steelers wide receiver Dante Moncrief officially had four drops against the Patriots, according to Sports Radar 360. The most he had in any season over his previous five years were four. They were in 15, 17, and season 18. This year, he has a drop rate of 57%, unquote. All I can say is ouch, and let's hope that Moncrief can quickly drop this trend dead in its tracks. Otherwise, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger will be looking elsewhere and fast. Speaking of Big Ben, the fallout from Sunday night's fiasco was so extreme, it had NFL Network's Deion Sanders speculating that Roethlisberger was now, quote, disinterested in football. And it prompted Sanders to predict that Ben will retire before the season ends. Talk about an overreaction. Well, Steelers fans have that market cornered, too. And of course, predictably, in Pittsburgh, it started with the myriad have angry calls to fire Tomlin and basically execute his coordinators on both offense and defense. Hey, this is a knee-jerk response in Pittsburgh, but it is not entirely wrong. The game plan was terrible. Worse, it was wholly unimaginative. Here's Blitzberg blasting the coaches on Twitter, quote, Steelers essentially had since April to prepare for the Patriots and offensive coordinator Fickner and defensive coordinator Butler came out with the same exact game plan that beat New England last year. Like Belichick wasn't going to be ready for it, unquote. Joe Gigolo correctly tweets this, quote, Bill Belichick versus Mike Tomlin is one of the great mismatches in NFL history. The better coach just dominates these games, unquote. Ditto Daniel Valenti nailing Tomlin for going for three early in the third quarter instead of gambling and going for seven. Quote, for a guy who talks about not living in his fears, Tomlin lives in his fears quite often, unquote. Of course, this call to go for the field goal was perhaps the most derided coaching call of the game because it was really the only time the Steelers got close. Here is Football Perspective tweeting its view of that call. Quote, I always want to tell NFL fans that Mike Tomlin is widely underrated and that winning 10 games a year every year is underappreciated. 
But when he kicks field goals from the two-yard line down by 20 points on the road against a better team, it makes it really hard for me to make my point, unquote. And Alex Kazora with SteelersDepot.com, quote, Give the ball to Connor. You have a top offensive line, a power back. Punch it in. And then Tomlin wants to kick the field goal, shaking my head, unquote. Finally, John Staggerwall, longtime Pittsburgh sports commentator, says that kick was tantamount to the Steelers officially waving the white flag up in New England. Quote, when Tomlin went for three instead of trying to get the touchdown, the Steelers bus should have driven onto the field, picked them up, and taken them to the airport. Unquote. Bomani Jones with ESPN mused about Bill Belichick's private thoughts deep under that hoodie of his. Quote, I'd hate to hear what Belichick says about Tomlin in his private moments. He just dominates that dude, unquote. Bad as it was, it was but one game on a 16-game NFL schedule, and the Steelers had opening day stinkers before, as Alex Kazora correctly notes, quote, there's no question week one was an ugly one, but you could have said the same about 2001, uh, excuse me, 2011, 2002, 2001, 1997. Heck, last year started out 0-1-1. Five times the Steelers bounced back from a terrible opening performance. Even better, none of those teams remaining on the Steelers' regular season schedule are named the Patriots, says Paul Zeise with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, quote, all I would say is this, let's wait until we see the Steelers play someone other than New England in New England, where they've never played well, before we start making definitive statements about who they are, unquote. As for the next team up, the Seahawks, their recent record when traveling all the way from Seattle to face the Steelers isn't all that good. According to SteelersDepot.com, quote, the Steelers have outscored the Seahawks 45 to zip in their last two trips to Heinz Field. And Blitzberg even clarifies this further, tweeting, quote, the all-time series between the Steelers-Seahawks is knotted at 9-9. Nine and nine, but the Steelers have outscored the Seahawks 45-0 in their last two home games at Heinz Field, those in 2007 and 2011, respectively. So, still, there's a lot of fallout from that ugly opener, and it did send a lot of people into a depression, but also it sent an early chill down the spine of Steelers fans, even though the temps for Sunday season, uh, Sunday Seahawks game will climb into the 80s. Perhaps that number is fitting because if the Steelers do not correct their lack of splash plays, it's going to start to feel like the 1980s in Pittsburgh. And fans of a certain age will remember that dark day, decade and they will shudder. It was an age of football futility coming on the heels of unparalleled Steelers supremacy in the 1970s. Supremacy that a suddenly spoiled fan base began to take for granted. 
as if winning were a 412 area code birthright. It wasn't. The football gods and Father Time can be oh so cruel, except it seems to one team and one quarterback up there in New England. Usually they giveth and they taketh, especially when a winning football team willingly sacrifices its superstars. The preseason consensus of Steelers Nation hailed the 2019 as far more likable without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and at least equally as winning. After all, the Steelers never got to the big game with those egomaniacs, so the Steelers would be no worse off without them, right? Well, that was the reasoning of a trusting fan base that the Steelers brass managed to convince of the fuzzy math of addition by subtraction. So far, however, the big thing that's missing is all those patented Steelers splash plays, especially on offense. The effect of this startling absence is what has me worried the most. Of course, there's not a lot of time to despair. A talented and dangerous Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks await at 1 p.m. Sunday at Heinz Field. And if you think Pittsburgh is panicking now, you ain't seen nothing yet should, should the Steelers fall to 0-2. Well, that's your Steelers update for now. Download the podcast each Wednesday afternoon wherever podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And of course, Log on to penlive.com anytime for your real-time Steelers news.